Welcome to Transition Gadget 360's gaming and pop culture podcast. In today's episode we are going to be talking about Steam Greenlight being shut down apart from other games such as For Honor, a new Humble Bundle and Sony India's pre-orders. The first thing we are going to be talking about is Steam Greenlight an initiative that has been closed by Valve which is the company that owns Steam so let me introduce the people who are going to be talking about it the first up we have our games editor Rishi Alwani greetings and podcast regular Mikhail Madnani hi and i'm your host Pranay Parav so who wants to talk about what Steam Greenlight exactly was Rishi or Mikhail so Steam Greenlight has changed quite a few times since it was introduced and it started picking up no pun intended steam in 2013 when a lot of the popular now popular titles like papers please and all were initially in steam greenlight where users would vote whether they wanted they would buy something if it was available on steam because uh, as of now you still cannot sell whatever you want on steam you have to go through steam greenlight as it is in its current state and depending and valve has to approve at one point Valve used to curate what shows up on Greenlight as well, but now I believe it's much easier to just upload whatever you want, and then they will decide whether it's suitable for sale after looking at the votes because you can download stuff as well. So this is essentially a way for indie developers to gauge interest in their games. Uh, I'd say it's more of uh, they already have a proof of concept, hmm. or they have their game ready and they just want to sell it on Steam. It'll already be available on other platforms. and one of the problems with this is uh, there've been some bigger games which have been forced to go through greenlight while other like almost unity store asset flips have made their way to steam directly so mm. it's been very inconsistent and it's one of the uh, downsides i'd say to steam the no human curation that takes place it's almost like google play in that aspect where Uh, given the refund policy they let you decide whether something's worth it or not yeah so just for those who don't know can any of you tell me the difference between a steam greenlight and an initiative like steam early access so uh, steam early access is essentially for games that are not completely ready yet they're probably in a, in the first or second phase of development and the developer wants to test out if a certain concept works or not so it works really well for titles like rpgs like open world games that have a lot of systems driven that are very systems driven and it's worked really well with this with a very with one game in particular called Ark Survival Evolved which essentially was an open world survival game with a ton of dinosaurs and it's also another game it's a, it's also another way forward for games like We Happy Few which is a procedurally generated first person adventure game with survival elements so for games that are more complex they tend to go through steam early access wherein uh the community vo- uh, the community picks it up at a discounted price checks it out gives the developer feedback and given and with the feedback they get the developer decides whether to iterate it or you know take it forward or not yeah so as far as pc games are concerned steam greenlight is probably where the game is ready and the developer just wants permission to sell on steam and he's gauging interest from the community and It, also uh, how it was before when it launches you have to pay a 100 dollar fee to have your game on steam hmm. which is similar to google play and apple stores which yeah. is a 99 dollars as they charge and uh, yeah the first game which actually released from steam greenlight was i don't know if you all have played it mick pixel no which is this very very it's like basically it's always sunny in philadelphia type humor in pixel art style so it's this very small like you can play it in short bursts it's available on everything right now hmm. so it was one of the early success stories i'd say yeah so why is valve shutting down steam greenlight because at the end of the day steam 
has become a very crowded marketplace and while there's been a lot of games that are coming out and steam has got almost 40% of all its, its games last year alone the quality isn't there. there there have been complaints of games which are basically ripoffs of unity store assets or have uh, blood splatter effects taken from google images or you have games that just simply don't run or work at all or even play as intended so there are a lot of scammers there are a lot of con men on on steam right now taking advantage of a of a user base in order to you know get make a quick buck yeah so as uh, michael said i mean previously steam used to cu- curate these games and would decide which games to make it more open yeah but that's also like Leading this to is problems. what happens when you give everyone freedom in fact uh, there's been a case where people bought a game and it literally just downloaded a text file Mm. This was before the refund policy or around the time it came into play so that's why Valve looks at all the feedback they get consistently and they slowly very slowly try and improve the situation and mm. if you if you think about it it's even though you have several tiers to steam right you have green light you have early access and you have the big AAA games that don't have to go through that there have been situations in the past such as Batman Arkham Knight which shouldn't have even been in early which if it released it should have released in early access on steam it the game mm. was that bad at mm. launch mm. but you know that's the thing that the, the system is so flawed at this point in time where you can have a triple a developer misleading consumers to the point where valve has to change its refund policy mm. and that, that's a game that didn't even go through green light didn't even go through early access it was just made as a paid product and it was on nightmare because you have a big publisher this is one of the advantages of going with a big publisher it's even how uh, at least last year it's how some indie games managed to release on consoles when they weren't such a big deal now obviously sony is very open with indies on consoles so they just get to self publish but uh, it was a problem last year you needed to go through a big publisher where you lose more of your money mm. through all the middle yep. yeah so one of the biggest reasons why there's so much spam on steam greenlight is that you had as you said a single 100 dollar fee yeah. to publish as many games as you'd like right so that basically gives you permission to produce like one good game and then after that pretty much churn out average content again and again in fact uh, i've seen myself a lot of uh, greenlight esque games and i mean that in the bad way would just implement trading cards with anime pictures because their game is going to sell just based on that and it works i've seen people buy bundles with literally trash games but they only have trading cards and emoticons and backgrounds which sell well on the market and people make their money back mm. on that so they're basically buying for $5 and they get $20 back mm. so yeah they need they need to fix this stuff so steam direct is their replacement for uh, greenlight which they aim to release this spring and uh, it's going to have uh, developers paying 50 to $5000 no 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 uh, so it's yes it's going to be called steam direct but what's happening is valve hasn't decided on a publishing fee now the publishing fee could be $100 could be $5000 depending on what they decide to do they haven't decided on it yet now this is where it gets interesting if you make it closer to $100 you'll still have the same problem you had with steam greenlight if you make it too high you basically remove the chance of any good indie content coming through because let's face it at the end of the day while game engines have become cheaper while access to the tools to make games have become a lot cheaper and a lot of cases free a publishing cost is still very expensive and it's half the reason why you see less games available on uh, consoles versus pc it's the the cost the uh, the barriers to publish are a lot less so they have to figure that out and uh, i mean 
it 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 could go either way at this stage yeah at this point we don't really have too many details all we know is that in one or two months um, steam direct will be here uh, but what we do know is that steam probably wants to implement like a per project fee yeah this It's, is a on a per game basis so yeah. each new piece of content i'd say so if there's someone who's uh, making their movies available for streaming they'll have to pay that fee for each piece of content not dlc each major piece of content yeah and then i guess uh, steam also takes a commission on sales oh yeah they yeah. they do like that's the 30% thing but uh, it's a little less than what console manufacturers take because they have their other licensing fees and all hmm. but uh, also they are changing how they approve developers for their marketplace now it's going to be uh, like when you create a bank account you have to fill in a lot of documentation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and legal details and stuff like that so that's another thing which they can use to verify identity so you don't have some of the usual trash that you see but the other thing is if you still compare it to the process of getting a game on a console or even through apple's on store policies where there's a proper stringent testing procedure it's still a lot more lax right now and uh while this could change with steam direct the fact of the matter is and this is something very few people are focusing on is that at the end of the day all valve has done is found a way to make themselves more money with less work. Yeah. Yeah. That is very true. I mean, first of all if they are mooting a fee of what $5000 per game, that is just I mean, in my opinion at least that's totally insane. That'll kill indie game development like right there. It it won't be 5000. What I I still think they will implement a a fee format like Denuvo which is the most popular DRM or DRM implementation on PC where you have separate tiers and mm. indies either pay per unit mm. or they pay a small lump sum versus the AAA developers mm. i have a feeling they're going to go with something to that extent or maybe they just won't charge AAA developers at all but uh, per game if it reaches 5000 i don't know i think it's going to be a tiered policy See, and people are going to be angry about that uh, yeah i mean it could be a tiered policy but at the end of the day uh i don't see at, i mean to me at this point in time given how steam's been in the last two years it just seems like lip service because uh until we see a, a, a until we see a change in quality it's still going to be a problem i mean at the end of the day it's still tough for me to recommend to someone to buy a gaming pc and game on pc because of issues like this on steam fine there are other stores that are a lot better you have gog that does a fantastic job you have origin which is all said and done sh- sure run by the evil empire that's ea but let's be honest man i mean it's it's still a very well curated store and the prices are surprisingly good so there are other options but the fact of the matter is when you have 99% of all pc games available on steam it has a veritable monopoly and you have no other option so i mean if you're on pc that's where you go but if you're still getting into gaming and you have a choice of going with something else you might as well consider that first because at the end of the day the quality is a big problem discoverability is a big problem so the thing is with other platforms uh the games that that, are, that you see the games that are available are usually curated by someone on the back end there's, there's someone who's actually doing that job on steam all this is done by valve's algorithms hmm. which means uh if they see you playing a game like let's say counter strike they'll probably suggest call of duty but at the end of the day what if you're ch- the, the the chances of you discovering a new game or discovering a new genre would be a lot less unless of course you have friends or someone else to help you or or, or there's a community you're a part of so they still so that's another part of the problem which they haven't i think cracked yet which is being able uh, able to let the good content rise through the top and it's the same problem we've seen app stores have in the past and while apple to a large extent in my opinion has been able to solve that with proper curation for each region and they've done a great job of it in my opinion google's also followed the same policy 
and let's be honest valve is one of the most profitable countries uh, sorry profitable companies in the world as good as a small country at this stage uh, they could easily have a bunch of people manage curation manually and do a better job of it but that doesn't seem to be happening yeah maybe, maybe it will happen with steam direct i don't know if it's going to happen with steam direct because they tried fixing this by allowing steam curators but that's pretty much failed because you have most curators just talk telling people what games not to buy rather than highlighting at least when you go to the most popular curators it's just reddit trash for the most part with a few few internet personalities like jim sterling and total biscuit who recommend games so it's it's another thing which they tried going hands off because they didn't want to get involved so this is like steam direct seems like the best way for them to like like you said make more money with doing less stuff yeah yeah was there any rigging in steam greenlight Oh yes so th- there used to be companies by the name of Yolo Army and mm. such which would which promised steam greenlight boosting services mm. where they you know get that old botnet running and make sure you get them upvotes and mm. uh, make sure you you're up in the list on on greenlight and it's something that, that and it's it was a swami business and, and it was going on for a while and now with steam greenlight dying uh, there's a good chance this might not happen yeah as but, far as i can see there's no voting in steam direct but here's the other issue right if if as mike said if valve continues its hands off approach who knows it just might manifest itself in other in other means and methods because uh, one of the reasons why valve as a company doesn't like consoles is due to the walled garden approach where and it's the same reason they don't like ios in fact gabe newell said in an interview quite recently that uh they had an they had their steam app for ios ready 6 6 hours later they had feedback from users and were trying to iterate but it didn't but according to him it took 6 months for apple to approve it and it and it went live then without apple even telling them why it took a, it got delayed so they don't like operating in walled gardens but if you think about it that doesn't mean you create a garden with so many holes it makes swiss cheese look solid man hmm. i mean it's it's that kind of a situation right now and it it's it's a little worrying like i said because uh you, you for, from a game developer standpoint what are your options uh the app store the app stores are are great but then it's it it's heavily dependent on being featured day one all right um you consoles are there but then your your cost of entry is a lot higher dev kits are expensive publishing fees are expensive uh discoverability is still something they have to crack on a bigger screen because you're playing a console game on a bigger tv and you, that and that means each game essentially gets uh more space which means more games on one screen or less space depending on how the stores are aligned which is still another problem and steam is seen as that you know last bastion of hope for many developers who aren't your triple a or massive indie superstars and if this is how uh valve is taking its responsibility towards the game development community it's a um, very worrying sign in my opinion yeah i mean not to end this segment on a particularly negative note um, so let's just pick the games that we really like that got steam uh, greenlight approval and made it to the store so i think my my favorite would actually be papers please uh, one of the best games i've uh, played in, in in from that particular segment uh, first of all dystopian story is really good and then all those things about approving people's passports and how easy it is to make an error and ultimately that costs you so badly in the game uh, all of that was great ultimately that game made it to ios as well was a great port for the ipad yeah Yeah. So for me I'd pick Rogue Legacy. It's basically uh a roguelike as the name suggests where uh you play as a knight in a castle and it's super difficult with everything randomized and every time you die you get to inherit traits from your uh your ancestors or whatever. 
and uh, you basically just continue and try to get to the end of it and uh, i've just defe- i've finished it once so far and i've been playing the game since it released and i've got it on every platform now yeah so, roguelikes are actually quite difficult because you never know what's going to happen in in the game and you know you, you can just be knocked yeah, out like totally I've, I've to luck yeah like i'm really good at spelunky but rogue legacy is just insanely difficult so yeah, yeah. What about you, Rishi? Half-Life Three, man, come on, guys. <laughs> We all know it's there. Uh, jokes aside, I have to say the Black Mesa mod for Half-Life, uh, simply because it it spruces up the original in a lot of ways. It makes a lot more playable t- by today's standards. They've redone a lot of the graphics, and the best part, I think, it was. Uh, I mean, Valve took notice of it and decided to say, "Okay, go ahead, release it." So to me, that was like really cool. And the uh, Dreamfall chapters. So I don't know if Dreamfall chapters actually. uh should qualify as a green light game because it is initially a part of a kickstarter and then found its way to green light afterwards but yeah those two are my personal picks yeah several other awesome games made it to made saw the light of the day due to steam green light i mean not to like i mean just to mention a couple of them stanley parable stardew valley yeah stardew valley which was basically 2016's undertale the big indie darling on pc which sold a million copies and now it's finally on console wouldn't 2016's undertale be owlboy not really because our boy released to a little too late compared to stardew valley and it does, did not get even remotely as much press ah. stardew valley is way more accessible and everyone seems to be playing it but so. you're playing as a farmer yeah it's not fun so yeah so think of it as a remote village in india <laughs> so i'll play it when, except play, with good music i'll play it when they have the <laughs> india mod then right okay fine believe Okay, I think we need to move on. Yeah, so For Honor uh, is the next topic on the list. Uh, upcoming game, which is what a third-person kick-ass combat game. It's a third-person rock paper uh, scissors simulator, which is always online. And they said, "Oh shit, we have this uh, artwork which is all medieval with armors and samurai. We need to use it somewhere and show that we are edgy and we can do new IP." I don't hate, man. So. uh the troll description aside it's basically samurais versus knights versus vikings listen in- before you get ahead please tell me is this always online in single player mode yeah my god why i know they right? do this why do they, they do this? and this was a last minute change as well because yep. uh, the xbox at uh, the store descriptions mentioned an offline campaign because uh, uh we went through this period in gaming where everything was online and then people decided mm, they didn't mm. want to and then publishers started noticing this uh that's why titanfall 2's campaign was heavily advertised as an offline campaign hmm. so obviously ubisoft put this in the for honor description until uh, box art got updated on other stores which has a nice internet connection required warning hmm. on the box which indicates everything is online But why though i can't understand why they do this so uh Ubi- one of ubisoft's employees actually uh confirmed this to a few forum members on the ubisoft official forums and actually stated that yes the game is always online the reason for it is some elements of your progress in single player carry over to multiplayer hmm. and because of this they've made it completely online now that might sound nice as a statement if you don't look beyond it but if you look at ubisoft as a company and how they've operated using online as a form of drm this is not out of the ordinary mm. they did this with assassin's creed for pc back in 2008 where the pc release was delayed by i think 6 months and when it finally showed up it was always online they did this with uh, driver san francisco which is a really really cool underrated racing game racing action game rather uh, and then they had to uh, roll back these these uh, they had to roll back uh these decisions and decided to actually allow people to play it offline 
This time around, they're not obviously making a mention of DRM, which is obviously a bad word for a publisher. And uh, they're just saying that it's tied to your progress. Now, they've done it with Steep. And honestly, Steep wasn't a game that, well, too many people cared about. It released too late. It's, it's, it's an extreme sports game that released too late and had this massive open world which tied in your progress with everyone else's across a, a leaderboard, similar to how the crew worked. And Just Cause 3. And Just Cause 3. But the fact of the matter is, Just Cause 3 could be played offline. Other games that also have an online component like Hitman at least let you play it offline but with a different save file. At least you have that option. Here it's straight up telling you that you can't and while they may have their reasons in terms of progression but it's still wrong. I mean we saw it with Diablo 3 and Diablo 3 on PC right now it's stable but it's what been taken five it's taken quite a while. At, at launch, we had crazy number of issues. The dreaded error 37 was a problem for everyone. Even, even three months in it was still a problem. So I don't think it's a fair means of keeping people happy. And I don't think it's a fair means of selling your game, especially the way they've done it without even letting people know straight up what they're getting into. I, I think uh, like with Hitman, Hitman's a good example of games as a service working well because they actually delivered with good content throughout the life of the first season. And uh, I do not think For Honor, like what is the use of putting a single player campaign if you're going to do a game as a service thing, you might as well make everything online. Exactly. I mean, you might as well make everything multiplayer from the start. Like The Division. I mean, people complained about The Division being online only and all that initially, but it's grown. People like it now. Three expansions in, I think. Yeah, but the thing is with The Division is a game you can play with friends on the fly. As I, If I'm playing The Division, I can have four friends join me at any given time. Sorry, three friends join okay. me at any given time. And it works well. And there are complete segments of the game that require you to play with friends. The dark zones, you cannot go there on your own. And it all ties in very well. The world was created from ground up to allow for that. And here, here it seems that they want to have their cake and eat it too, where you have a multiplayer section, you have a single player section, and at the same time, hey, le le let's make sure we have as much data on whatever people are playing and keep uh, and keep it always online, which I think is unfair from, for, for, for consumers, especially in India. Especially in other countries that don't have the bandwidth. It's not even just that. Like Hitman has maintenance, I think, once or twice a month for an hour or two a day. At these times, you cannot do the elusive targets and like carry over your progression, but you can still play the game. When For Honor has any maintenance, you just cannot play the game, period. That's mm. it. Yeah. You cannot do the single player. It just won't let you get in. I don't necessarily buy their excuse either that your single player progress is tied to multiplayer whatever. I mean, you can just play the single player campaign and when you go online on multiplayer, they could probably that's import what, your progress, that's right? That's what first person shooters usually do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Call of Duty lets you play stuff offline and they have multiplayer. Titanfall has a full offline campaign, which yeah. almost everyone loved. And it has multiplayer. How hard is it to really import your progress when you go online and when you play multiplayer? No, I think they're like the reason they do this on PC at least is because they need everything server side so you don't have hackers. In mm. fact, the division stored stuff client side and it almost caused problems. And mm. I don't know whether they fixed that, but I remember them this being a problem. Or Diablo on consoles when they allowed people to transfer their save from PS3 to PS4 had the same issue where people on like hacked PS3s would just. Uh, do whatever they want to their save and be super OP when they came on PS4. So it is a problem to some extent, but yeah, like at least Diablo, they let you do it offline. And there's, it also big brings in the bigger question, right? Uh, what if one day Ubisoft decides to shut down the servers? Hmm. What, about, what about game preservation? What, I mean, it becomes a problem, right? Fine. The multiplayer is gone because yes, that's inherently an online thing. 
But then what about offline single player activities? It, it It's essentially putting your own expiry date on your own game, which I don't think is right or fair, especially to paying customers. So it's, I think we're in for interesting times because if this succeeds, we might just see more of it going forward. Yeah, and unfortunately, I mean, we're just complaining about it so much because all of us live in India. Uh, people abroad may not really feel the difference with a always online single player campaign i am not really sure i think but it's i think it's a it's not even a question of whether you have the infrastructure or not i certainly do i don't have a problem with that but from a usability standpoint it makes no sense yeah and it's something that publishers should be called out on that that's just how i see it yeah all right so let's move on to something a little more positive uh, humble bundle which is a site where you can buy games books and even music sometimes for uh, whatever price you want to pay and they give you a whole bunch of things for example you pay one dollar and then you get six games you pay five dollars and then you get ten games so it's a great site for great deals um, now they have a thing called humble freedom bundle where you get some 30 plus items for thirty dollars so thirty dollars might seem like a big price for indians it's about two thousand rupees yep. but the amount of stuff you're getting over here that's like just killer you get games like super meat boy you get some audio books you get some uh, pdf books as well so it's it's actually quite a, a great value for money mike um, any thoughts on this uh, i think uh, this is probably one of the best bundles in the last maybe three four years just because you have some games which haven't really been discounted this much like the witness and stardew valley themselves uh, would be worth the price of admission and they're the first two games here but they've also included amazing games like nuclear throne invisible ink uh, and also stanley parable in fact a lot of these games have been uh, in the one dollar tier on bundles before mm. so a lot of you might be having them already but uh, you just it's just so much good content like the swapper human resource machine i mean i could just go on and read 2064 read only memories like these are really good games which are rated very well and you're getting everything for 30 dollars and yeah. it's so yeah and you're also supporting ACLU, right? Yeah, yeah. Using this bundle. So if you care about all of that, like privacy and uh, issues around those, I mean, you know, this is another reason to get this bundle. I think it's it's an interesting bundle for two reasons. One, uh, they've act, the selection of games is pretty e eclectic and it's not usually stuff people would pick up and play. So if, you guys, if anyone of you are expecting uh, your standard dude bro shooters and guys with guns, uh, you'll get Nuclear Throne instead, which is pretty cool. <laughs> so I, I think it's... It, from a, from a content standpoint, it's really cool. So, yeah, definitely worth checking out. Yeah, also worth mentioning that uh, one of my all-time favorite games, VVVVVV, is in here. And uh, we use music from that game in this podcast. So, it just shows how big, I mean, how much I appreciate it and how much all of us over here appreciate that game. So, yep. yeah, uh, moving on. Sony has some big problems with game pre-orders in India. Oh, yes. I mean, Sony has a lot games? of problems in India, but uh, game pre-orders are the consumer-facing biggest issue. <laughs> yeah, so um, if you've noticed, in the last couple of months, we've seen a flurry of releases on the PlayStation 4. And something we even brought up in the last podcast. Um, and it, it's it's a great thing for consumers for, for, for a variety of reasons. One being that the PlayStation 4 is the dominant console here. They are, their install base has well passed 100,000 uh, consoles sold. But on the game side of things... Uh, the pre-orders have just stopped happening. I think the last big Sony game, which was exclusive to the console, which saw pre-orders happening before release, and that too uh, late, was Uncharted 4. Yeah. We haven't seen... And even with Uncharted 4, it was amusing because we had a we had a big story on, on Gadgets 360 calling so Sony out on the fact that this is your biggest release of the year. Nothing's happening. It In fact, it was... 
uh, till two weeks before Uncharted 4's release, there were uh, there was more marketing material and stands and POS uh, point of sale material for games like Doom and Battleborn. I'm so glad you clarified that abbreviation. You're welcome. Uh, versus Uncharted 4, which basically had nothing on the show floor, and it Sony seems to be repeating the same mistakes. Horizon Zero Dawn, which is uh, a new action RPG from the guys who made Killzone, one of the greatest franchises ever. Uh, uh, that that's out in a cop in less than a week. I mean, not less than a week. In sorry, it's out on the twenty eighth. Yeah, twenty eighth. And uh, pre-orders just went up day before yesterday. Yeah. And pre-orders with a variety of editions have been up all over the world for months now. Yeah. Yeah. Just to give listeners some context, we are recording this on February fourteenth. Yes, February fourteenth. So yeah, fourteen days away. Uh, pre-orders have just barely opened, and it's a little disturbing because. uh this is because sony's done this with other titles as well fine they they weren't as high profile we've seen it happen with uh, ratchet and clank where they were taking pre orders and then didn't bring the game at all we've seen it with uh, heavy with the heavy rain remaster which was, heavy rain was a really cool um adventure game for the playstation 3 that got remastered for the playstation 4 along with another game called beyond two souls uh what happened was and this is according to several retailers is that they couldn't take pre orders for that game because sony only let them know the order quantities uh, a day before release or two days before release and the same drama happened in no man's sky where two weeks where a week before release sony themselves weren't sure of how many copies they were bringing in yeah so with no man's sky it was the same situation pre-orders didn't happen because uh distribute because retailers only knew what was available what pre what quantities were available late and it seems to be repeating itself again and uh It's just a little. It, it's it's quite amusing because uh, if I'm not mistaken, Sony's minimum order quantity for games is 750 units, which is, to give you some perspective, a game like let's say Yakuza Zero or a game like uh, Dragon Age Inquisition, if it made it here, the minimum order is at least three, is 300 units. All right, Yakuza Zero probably did a little less, maybe 100, 150 units. So 750 is a is a decent number, when you consider that you 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 already have 100,000 PS4s. And that digital isn't that strong yet. You'd think that they could easily do fifteen hundred, two thousand units at least, but it just seems that uh, there is no focus on the software. There is no focus on the games, which is tragic because the hardware is doing very well. Uh, from what I've been given to understand, stores that have started taking pre-orders on the PS4 Pro have already sold out of their initial quantity. But this is just three, four stores, anecdotal evidence at best. So it just seems that there's no focus on the games itself. Um, and it also means that consumers a lot of them have had to either buy digitally or import and they're willing to do that they're willing to pay and i just don't understand why sony isn't willing to capitalize on this yeah it makes zero sense to me because uh, like the most recent two releases were neo and gravity rush 2 both did not have pre orders until maybe a day before and in gravity rush's case it just showed up on release day and sony's own sony centers don't even stock the two games I've only seen them in games a shop, and even they've been telling me that uh, uh, it's just it just sells out because they've only received a few units. So, and I know people who've ordered Neo from sites like PlayAsia or Amazon because it's not it wasn't available here, and it reviewed really well earlier. 
Yeah, yeah, so the problem might be twofold here, right? I mean, these Sony centers, whichever ones I have been to, um, the PlayStation segment almost seems like an afterthought everywhere. Oh, in most cases, to me, it looks like it's just a display for Ubisoft games. Yeah. Because I don't really see anything else in the stores anymore. Yeah, this is one of their biggest successes in India as as far as uh, hardware is concerned. So it's definitely been more successful than any of their phones have in recent history. Uh, so I don't really see why they don't publicize their games as much. I think a lot of it also has to do with the Sony centers themselves. Uh for the longest time Sony's core strength in India was consumer electronics and a lot of the team that's looking at PlayStation in India comes from that background. So I don't think they're aware of what games are important or what games are needed. Uh and more often than not, at least this is what I've heard again from a few re- retailers, this may not be true. Uh is that the theory that's going around is that uh Sony centers will get some preference when it comes to even hardware bundles so for example there's a call of duty bundle where you could get infinite warfare and the modern warfare remaster along with a 1 terabyte ps4 and infamous second son for 32990 it made it to other stores eventually but the sony centers had a a week to weeks head start in order to meet their sales targets yeah. same thing happened with the watchdogs bundle which had watchdogs 2 and watchdogs 1 it was first in sony centers and then other retailers started getting stock yeah and honestly so, as far as like hardcore uh, the gaming crowd is concerned i don't think anybody really goes to a sony center to buy these consoles most people would they don't uh, these yeah. would these would target the like the parents and yeah, relatives the mass, of other people who yeah, just want to buy yeah. a ps4 and oh it comes with free games so let's buy this version which then makes you wonder is it a right fit to sell call of duty to parents who are obviously buying it for kids under the age of 18 i mean <laughs> like we see this all the time like i've seen someone sell, a salesman sell gta 5 to someone who i pretty sure wasn't even 12 oh yeah so that that's the thing right the gta 5 launch in india both times was the same thing yeah uh, so, the midnight launch yeah the midnight launches were the same thing so i i i just have a feeling that they haven't found their feet yet especially after the exit of the of the playstation head who atindra bose they haven't found their feet yet they they still are oh, still have ways to go before they realize what's important and what's not but at the same time they're the only ones with any form of success i mean we uh even though the xbox is available at retail it's not selling at all the one s there's no uh news on availability either retailers aren't willing to stock quantities of off any xbox games and I, they're selling the xbox one s controller and like various different variants of it like the gears of war controllers and they even sold the old halo controllers but uh, the console is still very difficult to find and they are selling really old bundles i think one of them even has project spark which isn't even supported anymore yeah that's like e- end of life and i think even the the fitness game in one of those bundles is yeah, also end of life yeah this is basically old stock which hasn't sold yet yeah my whole strategy of going online only for the xbox one was baffling to say the least especially in a market like india i mean yeah but It's, it's but then one thing microsoft does well at least i mean dead rising 4 is an exception uh, halo wars 2 has been up for pre order for a decent amount of time and it's making its way here so i'm pretty sure the other games will as well like gears of war also sold was sold here forza horizon 3 was also sold here yeah and so. the pre orders happened early mm-hmm. uh, that much mm-hmm. was for sure like i remember with gears the pre orders began a good 2 uh, months before release 3 months before release yeah so first party they're taking care yeah, of yeah first at least point is fine you, your quantities might not be the greatest but at least customers are served yep. because one of the largest uh uh complaints we w- i've seen fr- from reader emails is uh 
when can I pre-order a game? And more, mm-hmm. most of the time, that game ends up being a Sony first-party title, which has no visibility. So, is there a possibility that this is just a vocal minority that is approaching us, and Sony actually does not see the same interest coming in terms of numbers? Well, in my opinion, it's if we look at pure numbers and pure volume, the only two games, or three games rather, that people would care about would be FIFA, Call of Duty, and Grand Theft Auto. Mm. Now, we've already had one Grand Theft Auto game. God knows how long before the next one. Mm. We might see an up- uptick in that in that audience with Red Dead Redemption 2. I'm not too sure. FIFA, yes. is, is Everyone owns a copy of FIFA, more or less, as is with Call of Duty. So, I think it's it's a, it's a mix of both. In, in a lot of cases, yes, it's a vocal minority, in my opinion. But when it comes to a game like Uncharted, which, if you ask me, is the biggest seller, was the biggest seller of last year outside of FIFA, then there is a problem. Yeah, I mean, Uncharted has sold like eight and a half million worldwide yep. on PS4 and like India still. And the best part is uh, this is the biggest like PS4 exclusive in India, at least for India. And we only got the standard edition of the game yeah. mm. while other regions had multiple editions. Same thing's happening with Horizon Zero Dawn. It's selling pre-orders have been really good for it abroad, but we're just getting a standard edition for 3999 Yep. Yeah, so I suppose that's all we have for this episode of Transition and we will see you with another episode next week. As always, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and Instagram at Gadgets360. The music used in this podcast comes from Magnus Soul Eye Paulson who can be found at soulei.se and the album that we've picked up this music from is called PPP PPP that's six times P which is the soundtrack of the game VVV VVV which is six times V. (laughs) 